the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Down Drug Mart Studios, proud to be celebrating over 50 years as your hometown pharmacy. WHK Cleveland. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. Welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. It's truly a wonder what a little sunshine and warm weather can do. Suddenly, the flowers are blooming, the grass needs mowing. If you can get to it in the rain, it's just a good time to wander around in the garden between the, between the showers, of course. The tulips, they're blooming. The forsythia bush, hey, they're, they're showing their colors. And in the spring, everything looks like it's growing again. The geese are on the pond. Uh, they haven't had their little babies yet. I've been waiting for them. I see some goslings in the neighborhood, but uh, it's always enjoyable to watch the little group. You know, they—I uh, don't know who's who's in the front, but there's there's either the gander or the goose is leading the parade, and then the little goslings are all in a straight line, and then the uh, the other uh, half of the team is uh, uh, bringing up the rear there to keep the group together. So hey. It's a beautiful sight, and uh, and I was just looking out in the backyard. (laughs) There's there's other sights when you look out in the backyard, too. I was seeing uh, uh, a groundhog uh, looking for a home out there in the backyard, too. So I put that on my to-do list uh, to thwart him. And uh, the flowering crabs and the cherry trees are in full bloom. And they're they're kind of get over getting over it now, but uh, all the trees were just absolutely beautiful, magnificent display. You know, the large apple trees, and when they're in bloom, they really set off the whole place. But uh, I noticed that the in the winter, I could see for miles at my place, but now the trees are starting to leaf out, and soon 
I'll be only able to see as far as the uh, nearest trees. And, of course, the flowers, they provide a spectacular display. Uh, all we have to do now is keep up with the maintenance, cutting the grass, again, between the showers and hoping it dries out, spraying the trees and shrubs as long as they dry out. And don't forget that next uh, Sunday uh, is Mother's Day. So we need to get the kids working on their gifts for mom. You know, um, mobs appreciate flowers and candy, but they really do appreciate the handmade gifts from the children. Uh, the grown-up gifts will come and go, but the children's gifts, they'll be treasured for years to come. You'll find them on the mantle or at the end tables years later when the kids have kids of their own. And in addition to our maintenance chores, let's take some time this weekend to check on our investments and our financial plan. Well, this was a volatile week for both the stocks and the bonds this week. Corporate earnings continued to be reported, but they weren't the real uh, drivers this week. The Federal Reserve basically is the driver. They continue to drive the bus, and that driving the bus is getting more complicated as we go on. The Federal Open Market Committee meeting this past Tuesday and Wednesday uh, was important, and for several reasons. Well, one of them was the interaction between the Federal Reserve uh, with the regional bank problems that started to appear in early March. That's when the Silicon Valley Bank collapsed and was taken over by the FDIC. And uh, also, uh, just to make things more complicated, this week, the U.S. Secretary of Treasury, Janet Yellen, uh, she said that the debt ceiling problem has to be resolved by June 1st. And that's when the federal government runs out of cash and has to start borrowing again, and they need the authority uh, to do that. So the X date uh, is June 1. Uh, so you got to get Congress and the president together and come up with something. Uh, the Treasury Department needs the authority to borrow more money. And uh, just to complicate things even more, in addition, this week, the latest employment situation data showed a, a strong uh, labor market, uh, producing wage increases of approximately 5% over the past 12 months. And those 5% raises are basically inconsistent with an economy uh, with inflation of uh, 2% over the past 12 months. So, uh, Little complications here. Let's try, try to figure out how everything's related there. Now, let's start with the Federal Open Market Committee meeting. That happened on May 2nd and 3rd. And uh, at this meeting, they they raised the federal funds rate again. And they raised it one quarter of 1%. So now the new federal funds uh, uh, rate is between 5% and five and a quarter percent. They, what they do is set the, the bounds of it, and then the trading desk at the uh, uh, New York uh, Federal Reserve Bank is the one who has to buy and sell uh, bonds in order to keep that uh, federal funds rate somewhere between five and five and a quarter percent. And uh, in addition to raising the rates, they also talked about a possible pause in uh, future rate increases, but uh, no decision was made. So uh, no decision was made now. So we'll have to wait until the June meeting for uh, any decisions. And there was a lot of questions that came up after the meeting and uh, with regard to uh, uh, hints as to the, uh, dur the duration of a, of a pause. By pause, I just mean that, hey, they've been, the Federal Reserve has been criticized in the past for all these uh, rate increases. In other words, they've gone up, uh, federal funds rates have gone up basically 5% in one year, a little over one year. And the criticism is that you are increasing, the Federal Reserve 
is increasing the, the rate so fast that nobody knows what the effect of the, uh, the rate increases are. Uh, and that's because uh, there's delays uh, between uh, when the Federal Reserve takes an action and when the economy really responds to it. Those, those delays could be anywhere from six to nine months. So these are fairly long delays. And the criticism is that uh, you guys are increasing this thing so fast that you may have laid the foundation for a recession already. So, and you just don't know about it yet. So, uh, they're taking the criticisms to heart and they're saying, okay, uh, it'd be good to pause and find out, you know, let this, let this, uh, uh, stop raising these rates at every meeting. Uh, which is basically what they've done. They meet every six weeks, and and ever since uh, the middle of March, or the, well, ever since March of 2022, they've been increasing these rates every time they get together. So, uh, so they didn't do. They did the one quarter of a percent increase. So now we're at five to five and a quarter percent for the federal funds rate. The vote was unanimous. Uh, they did talk about a possible pause, but uh, uh, they didn't do it, and uh, they didn't really commit to do it. Uh, they're going to make a decision um, at the uh, next meeting in June, mid June, and uh, they just want to they want to keep their options open uh, so that uh, they can increase the, the rates if they have to, but. Even as the Federal Open Market Committee meeting was raising the federal funds rate, uh, the region, regional bank uh, mini-crisis continues. Uh, the regional banks are small and regional banks are putting, they're getting pressure from the Federal Reserve and they're putting pressure on the Federal Reserve. So far, we've had three failures in the Regional banks, they've been the Silicon Valley Bank and the Signature Bank, and the, the most recent one has been the First Republic. And uh, uh, the interest rates basically are uh, making it very, very difficult to run these banks. But the interest rates are high uh, due to the action of the Federal Reserve. So here I got the Federal Reserve focused on inflation. And increasing the interest rates to uh, slow the economy down and get some sort of balance between the uh, demand and the supply and, and uh, to help reduce infl inflation. But I also, uh, these higher interest rates are basically reducing the value of the assets in the banks. In other words, uh, uh, the assets in the, the when you talk to a banker, he considers they consider the assets to be uh, the treasury bonds or the corporate bonds that they hold as reserve. Uh, they also talk about uh, residential mortgages, uh, commercial mortgages, loans. All these things to the bank are are assets, and uh, those assets, uh, the, when you get into them. For instance, in the case of uh, Silicon Valley, uh, a lot of those assets were made before uh, these interest rates uh, increased, you know, before 2022. So uh, if you were making loans or mortgages or, or just buying bonds, uh, even treasury bonds like uh, uh, Silicon Valley did, the interest rates on these instruments is fairly low. And uh, when somebody comes in and says, what's the value of this asset? They compare it to basically what you would uh, be getting uh, today, these higher interest rates. For instance, like in the case of uh, uh, Silicon Valley, uh, they put the... Uh, their money, their deposits into uh, uh, the reserves, and the, 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 they put them into U.S. Uh, 
uh, treasuries. And, uh, of course, before 2022, U.S. treasuries were not paying that much. You might buy U.S. treasuries. They might have a coupon of might have a coupon of one and a half percent. Well, you take a look at a U.S. Treasury today, and it's got a coupon. I think the ten-year will have a coupon of about three point four percent, and the thirty-year will have a coupon of maybe three point eight percent. Well, if you if you turn around and say, okay, uh, what's the value of that old? Uh, bond that had a coupon of one and a half percent. The the person that is buying the bond is going to do a present value calculation and say, "Hey, I can buy a brand new bond for uh, it's paying three point eight percent, and you're trying to sell me a bond that's paying one and a half percent." So you uh, calculate the, the values and they'll come to the conclusion that, "Hey, uh, yeah." You know, I'll have to discount what I'm going to give you by anywhere from uh, five to twenty-five percent, depending upon what type of maturity and uh, credit rating this bond is that you're trying to t- sell me. And it's the same thing for uh, mortgages and loans and everything else. They were all made at at low interest rates, and now the interest rates are higher, and and their assets are going down. In the case of uh, first, uh, in case of Silicon Valley, uh, they uh, they had all these uh, reserves in these uh, uh, low interest rate treasuries, and when the people came to redeem their money, they had to uh, sell these things in the open market. Now they could have said, "Oh, I can't, I can't do that." They were as safe as can be. They were treasuries. If you hold on to it. You'll get your money back, but if you try to sell it uh, before it's mature, then you're going to take this hit that we're looking at. So that happened to uh, Silicon Valley and it and and the other banks too, the Signature Bank as well as the uh, First Republic. Uh, they have different types of reserves. I think First Republic had uh, uh, a lot more commercial loans and jumbo uh, mortgages and stuff like that. But this problem is still the same. If you got to sell these things on the open market to raise cash to, uh, to meet your withdrawal, uh, then you're going to take a loss. And in the case of uh, uh, Silicon Valley, they, they had to uh, uh, sell 20, over $20 billion worth of U.S. Treasuries and they took a loss of two and two point four billion dollars doing that. That was the end of that bank. So, so what you have is the is the is the Federal Reserve increasing the interest rates, and at the same time, it's it's uh, hurting the small and the regional banks because it's devaluing uh, their reserves and their assets. So obviously. If you were to ask the banker what you should do, uh, he would say the Federal Reserve should start to lower the rates. So the Federal Reserve is kind of stuck between a rock and a hard point, too, because uh, they keep focused on the inflation and uh, increasing the uh, interest rates. And at the same time, they're also uh, responsible for these uh, regional banks, too. and uh, they're they're moving forward on the inflation front and keeping one eye over their shoulder at the uh, regional bank problems and hoping that the regional bank problems uh, that that this, that problem doesn't become contagious. So uh, so what you got is the regional banks they're under pressure directly from the high prevailing federal funds rate, but in addition uh, in addition to that they're they're seeing significant uh, problems with regard to withdrawals, you know, because uh, uh, depositors are searching for higher returns, and wherever they find higher returns, they're going to take their money out, so their withdrawals are going up. And uh, with these new banking apps, 
you could move your money around much faster than you could in, in the old days. So uh, uh, be, everybody's getting between a rock and a hard point. And uh, then you come along with the uh, the uh, employment situation. The employment situation for April uh, shows a non-farm payroll increase of 253,000, and that was significantly above the expected 180,000 jobs, and and the unemployment rate has fallen down to 3.4% from 3.5% in March. So now we're talking about uh, a greater pressure on the raises, and uh, the Federal Reserve has indicated before that when they take a look at these raises, uh, that are four or five, that are five and six percent over a twelve-month period. They want to see them in the two or three percent, but they're in the five or six percent. Then the five or six percent raises are not consistent with a uh, 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 a inflation of uh, two tenths, uh, inflation of two percent. So I guess I want the to get inflation down to two percent, I got to get these raises down to out of the five and six percent range down into the uh, two or three percent range. So, to me, it just gets worse. <laughs> hey, they got a real they got a real quandary here. Uh, uh, with that in mind, let's go to the phones here. This is Jim Backley. Can I help you today? Yes, sir. Hello, Andy. Uh, am I on the air? Yes. Okay, yes, my sir, name is Andy, sir. Um, I was looking at your portfolio about a company, and what they primarily do is they do middle interest, leasehold interest, overriding royalties interest, and perpetual royalty interest. Uh, they're basically in oil and gas mineral rights acquisition. Uh, they're offering a 8 to 12% bonus uh, with a 5%, uh, I mean, 8 to 10 per, 8 to 12%. Bonus on a bond and a five percent bonus start rate for three years. Uh, how do you feel about uh, these companies that uh, are in the business for mineral, mineral and gas uh, um, yes, rights? Okay, uh, right now you, you know, I really can't give you any uh, specific uh, uh, recommendations with regards to specific companies. Right. Generally speaking, in in the energy fields right now, uh, what you're going to find out is energy is down right now because the oil prices are down. In other words, I think your your uh, Texas Intermediate is down to seventy seventy three dollars a barrel or something like that. And, and basically, I look at energy as a as a good long term buy. Uh, uh, to me, the oil prices are, are basically driven by what they call OPEC plus, which is basically the original OPEC plus Russia and some other folks. So if I take a look at OPEC, uh, these, com- these countries that are in OPEC, uh, they consider that oil reserve as a, uh, a national... Uh, revenue for the country, and basically their desire is to get the oil up to $120 a barrel, if they can do that, uh, and they control the, you know, through through the uh, cartel uh, negotiations, they control uh, the supply of oil, and if, if the oil, like right now, uh, oil is down. Like I say, intermediate, Texas intermediate is about $73 a barrel. They basically want to get it up to at least 100 and uh, uh, hopefully get it up to 120 But uh, 100 would be, a, in their mind, would be a good place. China is the big problem right now, uh, and China will come on board. They're just... Uh, uh, coming out of their big COVID thing, remember several months ago they they gave up on their COVID uh, uh, process or procedures and said, "Hell, 
uh, it, it, it's all over now. You can do whatever you want to do. It's basically, their economy is coming up to speed, and it's just taking a little, little longer for the need of oil to get up. So as far as I'm concerned, oil, energy, energy, including fracking, including uh, uh, offshore drilling and things of this nature, uh, should be a long-term part of your uh, portfolio. But, you know, I'm, uh, in our recommendation to our clients, we generally recommend uh, diversification and smaller uh, positions, not not like you're talking about. What what percentage of your of your uh, investments are you talking about? Uh, over three hundred thousand. And what percentage of that is uh, of yeah, your total? Yeah, yes, but you have my account. Okay, um, you're offering you're... This, these bonds are not uh, uh, tied to the stock market. Um, there's no risk. They're offering eight to twelve percent. And a five, I mean eight percent on bonds. The bonds are not tied to the stock market, and they're often five percent bonus for the first three years, and then that percentage uh, increases over time. So, okay, you, you're talking about uh, uh, you're talking about investments that are much riskier than, as far as I'm concerned, much riskier than I would recommend to my clients. So I hate to tell you that, but. Uh, um, uh, to me, when you're, for instance, if you're offering uh, uh, bonds uh, uh, right now, you're, you're probably offering uh, going rate for a a, uh, a jug bond. Uh, I don't know your the length of these bonds, the maturity of these bonds, but you might be talking uh, seven or eight percent now. When you're talking twelve percent. Yeah, um, they're offering they're off between 8 and 12% based on how much you invest into it. So the more capital you invest yeah. into it, uh, be, the higher percentage rate you get. My recommendation would be to really investigate, and, and in my, invest, in my investigation would probably show that this was a little too risky for anything I would recommend okay. to anybody. I'd be very careful with this one. Okay? Yes, sir. Okay. All Thank right. you so much. I appreciate it. You have time, a good sir. day. <laughs> Bye-bye. Do your homework, man. <laughs> this is too risky. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, uh, stay tuned. I'll be right back. Oh, it's almost time for the thing here. Uh, okay. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. Uh, stay tuned. Right back at the word for our sponsors. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tamil McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. is 1-888-281-1110. This week, global equities were mixed in the U.S. after a volatile week. Uh, By volatile week, I mean, mean, boom, it just wasn't 
like falling down a flight of stairs there, uh, you know, uh, four down days and one up day in the U.S. after a volatile week. Uh, the three major stock indices, the Dow Jones, Industrial Average, the Standard and Poor 500, and the NASDAQ Composite, only the NASDAQ Composite was basically marginally up for the week. Everything, the other two were down for the week. And in the UK, the FTSE 100 was down for the week. And in the European Union, it was mixed with uh, Germany's DAX up. But then the stock, Europe 600, was down for the week. And uh, in Asia, uh, everything was up. Uh, equities were up in Asia. Japan's Nikkei 225 was up. Well, in China, both the Shanghai Composite and uh, Hong Kong's Hang Seng were up for the week. On Friday, the three major U.S. stock indices closed the week at. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closed at 33,674.38. So it was down 1.24% for the week. The Standard & Poor 500 closed at 4,136.25, so it was down 0.80% for the week. And the NASDAQ closed at 12,235.41, and it was up 0.07% for the week, not even 1%. So, uh to me, it, it was it was basically a rough week in the U.S. Uh, the only thing that saved that the U.S. numbers was a uh, was a uh, basically a, a support rally for the banks on the Friday. So we'll see how long, long that rally lasts. Let me talk about you know we talk about what's going on in the big picture. That's all that it is important. And we do pay attention to it, but uh, we also need to pay attention to uh, the micro picture, which is our financial plan. Uh, we do invest for a purpose. We do invest because we have goals in mind. We have goals uh, for the family, for the children, for our retirement, uh, for a secure and and. Uh, uh, enjoyable retirement. Uh, we have a standard of living that the families become accustomed to. We're investing for that to keep that going. Uh, all these things are part of our financial plan. And uh, apart from what's happening on the national scene or the international scene, uh, we have to say, okay, uh, in order to, in order to meet these goals or uh, future plans that we have, they require money. And uh, basically, our greatest asset is our ability to work. Uh, and uh, it's either for a big company or for ourselves or uh, for any, any, you know, big, little, medium-sized companies. And uh, uh, we have to be able to organize the income to be able to siphon part of it off to this goal and to this goal and to this goal. And uh, then having siphoned our incomes off to those particular goals, we have to keep track of them and say, hey, have we got the right investments here? Uh, is it performing the way we expect it to? We might have to change the investments. We might have to increase the amount of resources that we're devoting to uh, a particular goal in order to have confidence that they're, we're going to meet this goal. So that's all part of the financial plan is in, in saying, okay, I've got my, uh, my labor uh, and uh, <laughs> when I start in life, I've got very little capital but I have a I have a lot of labor uh, capital, which uh, a lot of labor uh, assets, 
uh, i.e. I'm going to be working for the next 50 or 60 years, and I can turn that into real capital that I can use to meet my goals. So how do I go about doing that? And uh, that's the financial plan. You have to say, hey, this is how much coming is coming in. This is what I want to do with that, what I want to achieve in the future, and how am I going to do that? It's going to be uh, uh, allocating uh, that money before I can spend it. I'll, I'll allocate it to uh, my investments and uh, spend part of it, but most of the, I've got to make sure that I'm allocating my money to my investments to achieve my goals. So to me, that's a roadmap that's going to last you 40 or 50 years. It's a, it's a roadmap that's going to deviate sometimes because uh, things change. In other words, uh, our situation in life changes as well as our, our the environment, the economic environment changes. We're, we're always getting, uh, we're always having to modify the plan uh, to meet the environment that we're in. So uh, what we have to do is uh, take into account that uncertainty and be flexible and uh, uh, make sure that we can meet those those goals and stay, stay on top of them and uh, make changes. Just like getting, uh, uh, for going to go for a trip across the country, uh, and uh, if you're going to drive across the country, there's going to be problems, and there's going to be uh, unexpected problems. There's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of good things that happen too, but there could be bad things that happen, and you have to be they have to be prepared. So you got to have the financial plan, and then. That's basically what we do for our clients in terms of going over their financial plans and understanding uh, the details and over and things that they may have overlooked. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. One of the things we, we uh, heard about this morning was, or not the, um, we talked about this morning was the uh, employment situation report that came out yesterday. And uh, the Department of Labor puts out that report uh, for April, and it showed that the U.S. employment increased in April. Uh, the non-farm payroll increased uh, by 253,000, and the uh, that includes the government uh, as well as the private payroll. The private payroll increased 230,000. So, 230,000 increase in April for the private payroll, and 253,000 for the uh, 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 private plus the government. And the uh, the unemployment uh, decreased from 3.5% in March to 3.4% in April. And those, the 3.4, 3.5%, those are 50-year numbers. I mean, this, this, the, the uh, uh, unemployment has never been so low, and the labor market indicates that how tight the labor market is. Uh, which is giving the Federal Reserve fits, but that's okay. It's what they get paid for. Uh, so uh, the labor market participation rate remains steady at 62.6, and this uh, um, the 253,000 uh, new jobs that was above the expected number of 180,000. So uh, that that underscores the strength of the economy and the labor market. And in contrast to the stories of layoffs and slower growth. So, uh, in addition, uh, the, 
payroll the payroll numbers for the past were revised, and uh, we won't get into that. But uh, if I take a look at what happened over uh, January, February, March, and April, uh, in uh, January of this year, uh, we added 472,000 uh, jobs. February, 248,000. March 165,000, and uh, April 253,000. So we're basically adding jobs on average about 285,000 jobs a month. And uh, what we saw was that the gains in payroll were broad-based, leisure and hospitality, business services, health care. They were all big winners. In the uh, uh, the uh, payrolls, and if I take a look at pre-COVID, which would be uh, let's say uh, January of 2020 or December of 2019, uh, the unemployment rate at that time was three and a half percent, and the number of unemployed were 5.7 million. And if I take a look at it, what it is for April. Uh, this year, uh, the unemployment rate is 3.4%, and the number of unemployed is 5.7%. So uh, basically, we patched up the hole that was caused by the COVID in uh, basically uh, February, March, April. Those, those uh, uh, four or five months right around that started in uh uh, February of 2020. So if you take a look at the uh, the number of uh, applications for initial jobless claims uh, for April, 242,000, and uh, that was for the week of uh, April 29th. And uh, the number of people that are on unemployment from, you know, month to month is about 1.8 billion, and uh, the uh, the average hourly pay uh, for workers climbed 4.4 percent uh, uh, for the year uh, compared to a year earlier, and uh, wages increased in April 16 percent or 16 cents uh, to a total of 33 dollars. And uh, 30, 36 cents for an average monthly uh, increase of uh, five tenths of one uh, percent. So what you saw was that the uh, uh, the healthcare uh, increased number of jobs in healthcare increased forty thousand jobs in April and. Uh, uh, Ambulatory health uh, care services was 24,000 of that 40,000, and residential care facilities was 9,000, and hospitals were 7,000. And uh, you also saw that professional and business services, they added 43,000 jobs in, uh, in April, and Hospitality, uh, they've been bulking up, and they added 31,000 jobs, largely in the uh, food services and uh, drinking places, and uh, they've been averaging uh, 73,000 jobs uh, per month over the, the last six months. And even then, the employment in leisure and hospitality remains below. It's pre-pandemic levels by something like 400,000 workers. Uh, social assistance added 25,000 jobs in April. Uh, financial activities added 23,000 jobs in April. And uh, insurance and, and financial activities added 15 of the 23,000. And real estate added 9 of the 23,000. And uh, the government, uh, uh, go 
government added 23,000. Most of the government uh, additions were in the uh, local government. Uh, the, uh, the amount for the, the federal government was about uh, 3,000 3, for the state government in April and 17,000 for the local governments in, uh, in April. And then, uh, so what you're seeing is a uh, economy that, you know, due to the increases in the interest rates, uh, there have been slowdowns in certain parts of the economy, but other parts of the economy are not showing the slowdown at all. Uh, the slowdowns are in things that are sensitive to the interest rate increases, like uh, uh, residential construction, uh, home sales, and things of this nature. And even there, uh, even in residential construction, it isn't as bad as they originally contemplated because when the interest rates went up from their 3, 3% for a 30-year mortgage to what it is right now, it's about 6.5% for a 30-year mortgage. Uh, that should have been a real um, body blow to the home construction. But home construction is still reasonable in reasonable shape because they're shifting from single-family homes to multifamily homes, and at the same time, the uh, existing home sales is going down because uh, people have loaded up on their 3% uh, mortgage money, and they're reluctant to sell their houses and get back into uh, the market uh, with 6.5% uh, mortgage money. So you're suddenly finding that, hey, uh, the, the existing home inventory, the homes for sale, amounts to about at most uh, uh, two months worth of inventory. And typically, most of the homes when they're put on the market, uh, majority of them are sold in a month. So uh, it's a tight, uh, it's a tight economy out there. So uh, this is Jim McAlee. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things that came out, uh, the reports that came out this week was from the Department of Commerce, and it talked about manufacturing. And uh, it's a monthly report, and it can, it's called the uh, Full Report on Manufacturing, manufacturer, excuse me, Manufacturers, Shipments, Inventories, and orders for March of 2023. So uh, the the orders for manufactured uh, goods increased nine cents of a percent in uh, March, and that followed a seven tenths of a percent decrease the previous month. And also shipping for of uh, manufactured goods decreased uh, uh, six uh, decreased. Uh, less than one-tenth of one percent. It decreased uh, uh, $600 million in March, and that also followed a decrease in February. And if you take a look at the durable versus the non-durable manufactured goods, new orders for durable manufactured goods uh, increased to $8.5 billion or 3.2%. Uh, to 276.2 billion, and transportation uh, uh, 
led with a decrease of 2.6 billion, and shipments of durable manufactured goods decreased 1.6 billion, or six tenths of one percent, to 274.78. And uh, in this case, transportation equipment uh, led with an increase of 8.1 billion. So the orders went down for transportation and the um, shipments went up. Of course, in, in a lot of cases, the manufactured goods, a lot of those might be uh, uh, aircraft manufacturing, which, uh, <clears throat> you know, they, 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 those things come with uh, huge orders and they, they have a big uh, backlog, but uh, uh, there's a wide variation in what's being constructed and shipped and what uh, orders coming in. Now, if we take a look at non-durable manufactured goods, which are just stuff, stuff like food manufacturing and things of this nature, uh, uh, the, the orders were down uh, $3.7 billion or 1.4% to $262 billion in the shipments of non-durable goods. Uh, went down 3.7 billion or 1.4%. And uh, in that case, in the case of non durable goods, petroleum and coal products uh, led to decrease with a decrease of $3.8 billion in March. And uh, according to the report, the increase suggests that consumers are finding uh, dealers' incentives. And financing, this is with regard to uh, automobiles and perhaps using some tax refunds to enhance down payments. It's also possible that buyers are finding more of the types of vehicles they want. Buyers uh, continue their strong uh, preference for units of light trucks, including SUVs, minivans, and crossovers. and. they account for approximately 80% of the total sales, and the passenger cars are only 20% nowadays. Uh, the increase in sales in domestically produced uh, consumer vehicles and business equipment suggests that the second quarter is off to a good start for consumer spending and also for business investments. And uh, there's another. Uh, this, this is the, the quantitative data from the Department of Commerce. There's also an Institute of Supply Management, and they put out, they put out a qualitative uh, assessment. And their qualitative assessment uh, uh, says that the, uh, this is from the Institute of Supply Manufacturing or Supply Management for April. And uh, it says the U.S. manufacturing uh, sector contracted again in April. However, the manufacturing index improved compared to the previous month, indicator a slower contraction. And it says customer demands remain sluggish with falling production and weak uh, new orders. Uh, the ISM survey also indicated equal levels of activity towards expanding and contracting uh, headcounts amid mixed sediments about return of growth early in the second half of the year. So what you're, what you're seeing is that the companies expect uh, a pickup in uh, the manufacturing in the second half of this year, uh, but they're not absolutely sure of exactly uh, when and so the way they do, what they do is they the ISM the Institute of Supply Management they talk to uh, managers in the manufacturing fields different manufacturing fields and they ask them how are you doing this month versus last month in terms of uh, new orders uh, production shipments. Uh, prices, uh, deliveries, employment, things of this nature. 
and they grind all these numbers together and come up with an index number. And if the index number is 50, that's neutral. But if it's greater than 50, that indicates that manufacturing is expanding. If it's less than 50, it indicates that manufacturing is contracting. So in April, it went, uh, uh, came out as 47.1, which means that it's contracting, but not by uh, a great deal. It's just uh, slowly contracting. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to when, whenever we have rain and gloom, remember that life is good. The clouds will blow away and the sun will shine. The flowers and the trees are growing and we have a great day to look forward to. So today, take the time to love those around you and give them words of accomplishment so that they too can see that life is good. Here's a story about encouragement when things look desperate. As a group of frogs were traveling through the woods, two of them fell into a deep pit. When the other frogs crowded around the pit and saw how deep it was, they told the two frogs that there was no hope left for them. However, the two frogs decided to ignore what the others were saying, and they proceeded to try to jump out of the pit. Despite their efforts, the group of frogs at the top of the pit were still saying that they should just give up, that they would never make it out. Eventually, one of the frogs took heed to what the other frogs were saying, and he gave up, falling down to his death. The other frog continued to jump as hard as he could. Again, the crowd of frogs yelled to him to stop the pain and just die. He jumped even harder and harder, and he finally made it out. When he got out, the other frog said, Didn't you hear us? The frog explained to them that he was deep. <laughs> he thought that they were encouraging him the entire time. So the moral of the story is, people's words can have a big impact on other people's lives. So, <laughs> It might be just a difference between life and death, like it was in the case of these frogs. So remember, a little encouragement can be a great big influence on your life and also on other people's lives. So what you have to do is spread the word, seek out those things, those people that need a little encouragement, encourage them. And... It just just takes a little time for you, but it makes a big difference to them. And until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Flow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone's Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price weighted index of 30 actively traded blue chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. 
Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.